0: Time to the Walmart in a most convenient way. Now you day real cool because it's time to t- surely pay. You get to the bank, but the cops say, "Whoa, who are you gonna die when they lock you down cold?" Saul, Saul, you better. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is it's all good, man. The better, better call Saul podcast. I'm Brian, and with me, as always, is my co-host Dave. Dave, how are you doing this evening, Marco? polo <laughs> oh there you are all right let's get it started <laughs> Dave and I also host the nothing important podcast you can find that at www.nothingimportantpodcast.com and real quick before we get into it make sure to click our audible link get a free ebook it'll help us out so Dave Brian season finale it's over it's over man mm-hmm. 10 10 weeks of the show we've been doing this podcast for like
1: 13 weeks now. That's right. This is lucky number 13.
0: Lucky number 13. So, uh Dave, before we get into it, overall, what did you think of the season finale?
1: The season finale, I think it took me on a little roller coaster a little bit. Really? I, yeah, I kept I kept I didn't really know where it was going to end up.
2: Hmm. Because
1: at one point I thought it was going to be oh, he's going to stay in Chicago yeah. and that's going to be the next season. Then I was like, oh, their law firm calls him, so maybe he'll screw that up you know he has to screw it up because he's not with him later so i Mm -hmm. thought maybe that might be season two but yeah i wasn't really sure how it was going to wrap up and uh it turns out we were right about the name drop wrong turns out we were wrong about the name drop we were wrong you know you know um
0: now that now i think about it because we've actually watched it twice now right yeah we watched watched it twice the encore um i i guess we're Like it was good, but I feel like it wasn't the best episode of the season. And like, I really expected like a lot more fireworks.
1: Yeah, that was, it was kind of like, I'm kind of have mixed feelings about it because it was cool and it does set it up nicely for next season. Mm -hmm. It ends, it does end with that. Like he finally breaks and becomes that criminal lawyer. But yeah, there was like, it was a lot fewer scenes. The scenes were a lot longer. It was a lot more acting based. Which is cool because that you know it did a pretty good job, right? But it did just kind of feel like not a lot happened,
0: right? Like I I kept waiting for like a, some big explosive yeah. moment, and then it just kind of it it never came. So it, it's a good episode, but I I don't feel that it was like the best episode of the season.
1: Yeah, it was almost like more more character development and, and like more of why people are the way they are. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike had that one little snippet where he takes another job, so that's gonna come up later.
0: This is the, this and, is the first time uh, from the season that we started that I feel like it, it kind of like regressed because like last week's episode was awesome.
1: Yeah, there was a lot going on and like the big reveal about Chuck being the bad guy. Right, and I was like, holy
0: shit! Like, if this is this awesome and it's built up to this, like the finale, because typically like season finales, they because they, they already got a season two, so it's not like right, it's not like they potentially the story could have ended here.
1: Right, and it, it it felt like they were leaving it to where they they could have end of the season here and mm-hmm. the whole story here and right. still made it work but maybe it's just like maybe that marco's death is what obviously was the the straw that broke the camel's back mm-hmm. with jimmy and his do the right thing right i think they just might have kind of failed at it yeah it, i didn't really feel hurt when marco died yeah it, you know it
0: was like almost like a I guess overall, before we get into the actual episode, I almost felt like it could have been like the first episode of the second season. Yeah. As opposed to the season finale of the first season.
1: Right. But the fact that he ends it, you know, with the, it's never going to happen again. And that's, you know, fuck this. I'm going to go make money. Like, I get it. But yeah, I just kind of feel like it didn't have the effect they were looking for on me, probably. Probably.
0: Okay, so let's just go
1: through the episode real quick. So,
0: episode opens with. Flashback. A flashback. And they're at the bar, and they're doing a uh, the dollar bill on top of a bottle trick. It is the trick you try to smack the? Because you, you, when we were watching it, you referenced how you'd actually seen that trick before. Yeah, I know how that trick and works. As, yeah. when they, when the characters couldn't do it on the TV, you were like, "Oh, well, you just got to like karate chop it. You just got to like flick it real quick, right?" And it'll go away. And I, I had no, I mean, I knew they were trying to do some sort of trick, but I had no idea what the hell.
1: No, you never did that like in grade school and shit. Yeah, no. Yeah. Right, right. So like, well, I it, well, back then it was one dollar. Yeah, you use a yeah. dollar, and if if I can knock this with keeping the quarters, I get to keep the dollar. Like,
0: because I've seen it where you put like a playing card, and then you flick the playing card out from underneath it. Okay, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of like the opposite of like pulling a tablecloth off a table right. or something. Right. But the the thing about that is like it was a flashback a show two younger, two younger dudes. Yeah, I was gonna
1: say, raise your hand if you thought that was Jimmy and Chuck.
0: Right. Well, I didn't think I'm it was Chuck, but hand. I I totally thought it was Jimmy. Yeah. I thought I, I actually thought. I actually thought why they were doing it because like the skinnier kid uh, did most of the talking because he was, he was trying to do the trick to mm-hmm. the the bigger kid right so I actually thought that was like Jimmy doing his first his scam. first scam yeah okay. and I was like oh okay well that's man because we talked about time jumps before like I mm-hmm. was like wow like they're going way the hell way back. Yeah, the way, back <laughs> way the hell back
1: well and, i but i got the impression that they were like in it together like he wasn't scamming the other kid like both those kids are trying to figure this trick out mm-hmm. that's what i got like, like I they, were they were trying good. to like figure out like how how they could use that to like scam other people no they're just trying to figure the trick out gotcha like like somebody else was the one in charge of the trick and those two were the marks together that's how i thought it was going down that's why i thought it was jimmy and chuck just being kids and then jimmy says this is how you scam people you know yeah. Kind of planted the seed in Jimmy's head about slipping Jimmy.
0: Then Jimmy walks in to say bye to Marco, and that's when we see that it isn't Jimmy and Marco or Jimmy and Chuck. Right. It, it's just like a set piece, like the two kids, like working
1: on their little bar trick.
0: Yeah. And uh, I think
1: Marco was kind of like gave, giving them a little guidance on how to do that bar trick, you know?
0: Right. Like maybe he saw a little bit of himself in those kids. Like maybe that's how he started, was like doing those little tricks, and he figured out how he could use it to like. Make like bar bets and right. shit, shit like like like,
1: that. like the magician showing a little kid to pick the card trick. Right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
0: So Jimmy walks in and uh, makes the announcement that he's uh, waiting or Chuck's waiting outside. Yep. And he's going to head to Albuquerque because he had just
1: gotten out of. He just got out. of He just beat the rap. But he said he didn't. Even, he didn't beat the rap. Chuck got him off. Chuck got him off. So yeah. he owes Chuck this. Chuck's going to give him a new fresh start in the mailroom at a law firm. Right. And uh, Marco. Well tried to keep him. Yeah, he was he was basically like, kind of saying, like, I'm more family to you than Chuck is. Chuck's a douchebag. Mm-hmm. You know, me and you think alike. We're in this together. So right, he's kind of right. slighted by that.
0: Right, like like he feels that he's more of because I guess even in the flashback, even though it's addressed later in the episode, but obviously back then Marco knew that Chuck was a prick.
1: Yeah, I think that was when the uh when you know Jimmy's like, I want to grow up. And then Mark was like, why? People don't change. Chuck didn't change. Chuck's not going to change. You're not going to change. Right. I thought that was a pretty poignant line to throw in there.
0: (laughs) That was. And then, of course, we always like talk about the opening credits. And the opening credits was, it was just a mug. It was the uh, world's greatest lawyer mug falling off a desk and crashing on the floor.
1: Hmm. Symbolism.
0: Yeah. And we kind of made some jokes of that because, like I said, we watched it twice, and we we kind of mm-hmm. made some jokes about that. And, and like he kind of jokingly said, like it, it symbolizes like his uh, life. What was it comes crashing down, comes or crashing
1: falling, down, or falling apart, or shattering?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You
1: know, yeah. Any way you want to phrase those. Statements. Not not too bad of a
0: stretch. So I guess that's, that's the season finale. What's what's your favorite opening?
1: Well, I know what yours is. What what's mine? Tyrantula.
0: Tyrantula.
2: <laughs>
1: Tyrantula. My favorite opening, I think, is the, uh, I think it's the Lawyer Up Caddy. The Lawyer Up Caddy? Yeah. Because it's the one, I think it's the thing is the, probably the only one I can't figure out what the symbolism is. Hmm. I it, think it was like the second or third episode. Long just, time ago. It was <laughs> the back of the caddy with the Lawyer Up yeah. license plate. See, that, that, was, a,
0: that was foreshadowing. Right. <laughs> foreshadowing. As the show opens back up, back up, we're in the lobby of HHM, and Saul's sitting on the bench waiting for his turn to talk to Howie. Yeah, they have a little... Uh... Kim walks down, sees him, basically, you know, what the hell are, what the hell are you doing here? And he's there because he... he well, that's know, when
1: he explains to Kim that he's handing over the case. He's taking her advice because she came in and said, hand over the case. Mm-hmm. And they have the discussion, like, why didn't you tell me? Right, and she says, uh, I, I didn't want
0: you hating your brother. Right. So Chuck's put a lot of people in really bad positions, and I wonder if that'll come in play later on the series, like maybe next season. Like, cause, like Hamlin even says, when him and Jimmy are talking, like, Hamlin says, like, you know, look, he, he's very important to the law firm, mm-hmm. and he even makes a statement, like, I always liked you. Right. You know, and, but he was basically just taking taking all the brunt for for chuck and chuck's put like now like a few people in the position to be kind of like the weird bad guys just because he he chuck's been manipulating everybody yeah and using the whole like oh he's my brother so like i can't be the bad guy so everybody else kind of be the bad bad guy for me
1: yeah which um it's complicated i like the whole complicated relationships thing i guess i don't watch a whole lot of dramas so Mm -hmm. i guess it's a standard thing but you know because like chuck does care about jimmy right later in the episode it really shows you know how much he does like regret what happened or how much he wants to get back on good terms with him but yeah for the meantime he's just kind of pitting a bunch of people against each other and like you said putting him in awkward situations
0: yeah and jimmy and how he make amends you know jimmy's like sorry i called you a pig
1: fucker yeah (laughs) bury the hatchet that's what i put down right absolutely bury the
0: hatchet hamlin was kind of you know kind of understood because of the the position that that he was put in uh but and the the
1: fact that jimmy would still go shopping every day
0: yeah that i was just gonna say that that scene ended and great because even though he's obviously hurt jimmy's still very much so cares about his brother because mm-hmm. he said in the previous episode, like, Hey, you're fucking on your own, mm-hmm. but he's not on his own because he's kind of
1: making sure that, that Howie yeah, has somebody who could take care of the duties that, that Jimmy used to do for him. Right. And then they're on the garage and that's where the Dalai Lama's got nothing on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also in, in that scene,
0: we, we got a little bit more idea of the timeline because, uh, you know, how he was actually impressed with Jimmy that he had been taking care of his brother
1: for mm-hmm. over a year. Right. Like, well, but it was it was the fact that he knew, he knew Jimmy's been taking care of him for over a year. He didn't know it was every day. Right. The level of commitment Jimmy has had for the last year.
0: Right. Which could yeah. be absolutely exhausting, you know, and everything right. that, that Jimmy did. So I think. Uh, I can't even feed myself every day for a year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I I think you know I think that he was just expressing a like like wow like this dude really Respect. cares yeah he uh, how he respects Jimmy mm-hmm. and then like wow you know Chuck is a huge dick <laughs> to and Jimmy this
1: swing, yeah this this swing is kind of weird I, you mentioned before about we were talking off the recording about how they hadn't intention they hadn't originally planned for Chuck to be the bad guy right and now that's, I re- that's
0: according to the better call saw insider podcast with uh, kelly dixon and vince gilligan and uh some of the writers and such and they stated that up until episode seven they didn't really think that chuck was going to be the bad guy but the character and the way that michael mccann plays it it, it kind of wrote itself
1: right and that that swing especially with this last episode it's, it does feel like a a late swing like but not
0: like a gotcha kind of like surprise, but not, really,
1: like, but, but not really like that. You know, not a big gotcha or a twist. Mm-hmm. It just kind of swung that direction, like they kind of like a curveball. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to a like slider. setting it up, and,
0: yeah. <laughs> slider,
1: <laughs> or maybe it's a slider as opposed to a curveball. You know, yeah, it wasn't a big gotcha thing, but it definitely was a, a change over the the course of the season. And then we're back to playing bingo. That's right. Jimmy's
0: trying to kind of picking up the pieces. Attack
1: and of the killer bees, apparently. Attack of the killer bees. <laughs> uh,
0: Jimmy's trying to uh, keep some sort of uh, normalcy, right? Like kind of go go about his his daily business. Like he, like I got the impression that the character is just like, okay, that sucked, but I can get through this. Like just keep pushing forward. He's just still, keep
1: He's still doing elder law, so he's still maintaining yep, his every, contact.
0: Everything's normal. It's like a half baked, everything's cool. Not gonna freak out. <laughs> you know, Like everything's fine. Uh, and actually, he...
1: that's a Jerry Maguire reference that Half Bake was referencing.
0: Oh man, okay. Well, I missed that one. I've never seen Jerry <laughs> Maguire. I suck. So he know.
1: quits in the beginning.
0: You know, so he plays Bingo, he, oh, 064. All right, that's cool. N32, that's cool. Then it's like, is B2. that the Nintendo
1: system before the N64? It was like halfway in between. Okay. <laughs>
0: 32-bit system. <laughs> um Then it's B2 and B4, so it's kind of weird, you know, two Bs in a row. What are the chances of that? Right. And then he hits B12, and he starts to kind of break a little bit. He's like B, like betrayal, and he, he kind of hits on that a little bit. Then you know the screen does the crazy shaky thing. You start getting the little cracks. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it's just it's starting to get to him, and then B7. Like brother, (laughs) you know, breaking up a little bit more Then it's B five and B five. This, uh, B thing is really starting to tick me off. (laughs) And then he pulls another B and it didn't, he didn't announce the number, but on the board, uh, my wife, Kristen noticed was flashing. It was a B two, but in bingo, it's impossible to get the same letter twice in one game. So it's just kind of a funny continuity error there. Yes. Good catch. So, good job, Kristen. <laughs> but the repetitive Bs, I was trying to think of something, uh, maybe somebody a little bit deeper than I, or maybe, Dave, you have something on why why the bees set them off, or maybe it was just like the obnoxious repetition of the same number, like – what are the fucking chances like seriously like we can't move
1: past this yeah i think it's just kind of being stuck on something and the fact that he he just wants a different letter and it's just not happening
0: right so like his frustration is starting to get the best of him like right like he's annoyed and kind of getting frustrated same thing over and over and over and then as he gets more and more upset about that that's when he goes off on, on the story about what a chicago sunroof is we finally get our confirmation and when when that actually happened, when they referenced that in the show, remember you and I had no idea what the hell that was.
1: No, no. We we uh asked some listeners. Yeah. Told us what, what a couple of theories.
0: Right. They they sent us a couple definitions from like urban dictionary and stuff. And mm-hmm. and it, and it, one of them was is that well, the the two main ones that we had was one, uh you place your dick on the head of an imposing team's fan. Chicago Sunroof. Chicago Sunroof. And the other one was is uh like where yuppies park their car and you piss through the window or sunroof of their car, and then that's a Chicago sunroof.
1: As our generation is apt to do, indeed. Bars, but you you called it, I, yeah, differently. I was I was I was yelling Dookie. Right, you went straight for
0: yeah. the shit joke. <laughs>
1: Everybody else in the room was like, "No, it's piss. He's pissing in it." And I was like, "No, he, he shit. He shit, it, and it he turns shit. out that." He shat in it. <laughs> 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 and apparently, he had an audience. I also think he was getting frustrated with all the bees because he wanted to get the fuck over with, and since it just kept being like. Being oh yeah, because like yeah, you're not because like gonna nobody get. Nobody was winning, and then it was like constant, constant. Oh yeah. But like there wasn't anything else on the board, so like the chance of somebody winning on all bees is like slipped to none as it is. Right. So I think he was just also getting frustrated that it was, like, all in one line, and, like, that nobody was fucking winning. And he was like, doesn't anybody winning? Like, nobody's winning. Nobody has the bingo. Like, he was just getting annoyed that nobody had won. Oh, look at that. Also, I just came up with this theory out of my own, totally out of the blue, mm-hmm. about how he was probably getting frustrated because nobody was winning the game, and he just wanted the game to get over with. Mm-hmm. And just he was just just stuck because his whole life is just stuck. He's always just spinning his wheels, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> and that game is a metaphor for his life. You know
0: what, Dave? That's very insightful.
1: I know I totally just I I thought of that all on my own. I did not <laughs> steal that from your wife. <laughs> I'm it's the very same excuse I used uh, in court last week.
0: <laughs> so going back to the Chicago sunroof, we were kind of we were laughing because we we're like, "Ah, oh, Dave was right. It, he shat through the sunroof,
1: but Give then a little soft serve.
0: A little soft serve, right. <laughs> but then we found out a lot about Jimmy McGill. Yeah. He, um he had a friend, was it a friend or a partner, Chet? He just said it was a guy. A guy named Chet. That owed him money. Yep. Slept with his ex-wife. Well, it wasn't his ex-wife at the time, but right. now.
1: Which is, I don't think that it's been established that he had been married. No, right?
0: that's the first time I've heard of it, yeah. So he he apparently has a wife, and hopefully she'll come into play down the road. We didn't know that he had a wife or he'd previously
1: been married. Yeah, that was kind of an interesting reveal. Ryan right. and Chet,
0: you know, it could have been minor charges. You know, vandalism, misdemeanor, all right. that good stuff, but good old Chuck fucked his wife and fucked him over because he had connections and uh, because there was children in children the backseat.
1: car because of the tinted windows he couldn't see into the backseat. Right, which, which he believes is illegal
0: <laughs> in the state of Illinois.
1: <laughs> For those of you that don't live in Illinois, yeah, the cops like to fuck with you if your windows are too tinted. <laughs> Retarded.
0: <laughs> it's so great that he went off on that tangent and... Like, just pretty much, like, laid it all on the table for. Yeah.
1: He was, like, self. Just snapping. Just, just purging.
0: Yeah, just, like, just fuck it. Like, almost, like, sabotaging himself. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, even though he had a good thing going, he's like, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. Like, this this just going to get out just there. These goddamn bees. Bees just won't go away. Maybe in a way, he felt that his elderly clientele were the only people he could vent to. Well, yeah, they won't remember anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and so as a consolation <laughs> as a consolation prize for listening to him, he's just like, Well, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. Kitty cat notebooks for everybody. Yeah, yeah, he's
1: this game's not gonna end. I'm gonna end it. Yeah. <laughs> Mic <Mike> Take- drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just <laughs> uh Jimmy out. <laughs> <laughs> and then more feedback. We get it. It's a microphone. Sound guy talking. <laughs> So what I did is I went through and I looked at all the B numbers and tried to see if there's any uh, interesting little Easter egg Mm -hmm. in here. And uh, it's probably just a coincidence that like every vitamin has a B in front of it. Because all these are definitely vitamins. But like you have the B12 bomber, the B2 bomber, sorry, and then B4, and then the B12 shot. So I'm just thinking bomber before shot off the bomber shot. (laughs) so then we're in chicago jimmy shows up in chicago and he orders a couple old styles (laughs) i
0: like how if that made sense that would have been the most beautiful segue ever but it it didn't at all (laughs) Alright, we're keeping that in because that that was just too damn funny to me.
1: I have no idea how to put all that together. So we're
0: back in present-day Cicero. Yes. And he's
1: at the fucking
0: bar ten years later. He's been in Albuquerque ten years. Yeah,
1: ten years. We were I don't know if we ever officially discussed it, but I know we were both wondering exactly how long has Jimmy been in Albuquerque. 10 years a decade
0: i would have never thought that with the way that the show played out i would have thought it maybe been like a year or two no
1: like, no it had to be several years because he got a law degree that's right but i was thinking three or four mm-hmm. you know 10 years Ten. never came well and then
0: we learned something else that their mother passed away three years previous to the scene right he never came back he never even called up old marco
1: no nope, no nope, he kind of uh
0: which says a lot for Jimmy's character, because he, he was making good on his word. He was going to work in the mailroom with his
1: brother. He was on the straight and narrow.
0: Straight and narrow. Not going to screw stuff up. If he calls Marco, he's going to you know he's gonna start fucking shit he's up. He's going to
1: slip back into his old ways. Exactly. Hey-oh. Nice. Hey-oh. Very nice. Very nice. But uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. And
0: I don't think we've heard a peep about his mother either.
1: No, or no other family. We've learned a lot about <laughs> Jimmy McGill... In this episode. Well, I guess it wasn't such a bad episode
0: after all. I mean, it was deep, but it just wasn't what... I, it's just not how I saw
1: yeah, like, like, a this season is stuff finale that, going down. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it is weird. Like, why all of this character development going into the second season? Right. At the end of the first season when we're going to have to wait. I guess that's part of the, you know, making us wait. Oh,
2: just
1: kidding. Cut that out. <laughs> I'm going to cut everything except for the part where you said, just kidding, cut that out. But as he reconnects with as he reconnects with Marco, and they decide they're going to start scamming people again, and they start with the uh, Kennedy coin, the Kennedy coin, which I'm not going to lie, I went and looked it up. Yeah, what'd <laughs> you find? <laughs> and he faces left, just like every other coin.
0: Yeah. So like it pretty much just relied on the gullibility of whatever the mark is to believe that there's some
1: big difference. Exactly.
0: It was a pretty elaborate, good story. I mean, it was a really good,
1: yeah, elaborate
0: story. But if and, I'm
1: if I'm the guy at the bar from across the way, uh, I'm not gonna do what that guy did. You know, I'm gonna be like, let that guy talk because he's probably full of shit. Yeah, because I don't know, and we didn't have cell phones back then to look up that kind of information like I just did.
0: Right. And he, <laughs> <laughs> he picked up the old uh, the old school landline, and you could hear like the operator. Yeah, you know? that was like, pretty awesome. Like, it, it, yeah, yeah. If you'd like to make a call, <laughs> please <laughs> hang up and dial again.
1: Not that clever of a joke, but. In context, I thought it was pretty well done.
0: Well, it's probably not that clever of a joke if you're under, like, 20 years old and watching the show. But
1: No, I mean, that joke's been done in several shows. ah, With the fake line, then, like, as they hang it up, you can hear a dial tone or something.
0: Gotcha. And we talked before about the relapse, right? Like, I I brought up that, like, Chuck will probably relapse back into his, his ways with the electromagnetic, whatever the hell that is. Yes. But... This is where Jimmy McGill kind of relapses back into slipping Jimmy, and then they have yep. this crazy montage of all these scams that they're pulling, like the Nigerian prince and the <laughs> the, the national Irish lottery tickets held up in customs. I did I did uh, one one of the best ones I caught on too was um, Stradivarius. Like remember? Oh, I didn't
1: catch that. Was that supposed to be a Stradivarius? Yeah, the violin.
0: Yeah, that was actually a pretty common. I remember. That uh, back in the day, that was a pretty common scam, especially in the early days of Craigslist and eBay and all that. It was a pretty common scam uh, where people would just claim that this violin that they have is a Stradivarius, which, is a, of course, is a really, like, volume. Old classic. Yeah. Yeah. Mucho, and people would fall for it and dollars. pay, you know, thousands of dollars, you know, and they'd be like, no, I can't sell this. It's been in my family for generations right. or whatever the hell it is. And so I kind of chuckled at that a bit.
1: Okay. I got to throw this out there too. You noticed that the the cinematography behind that montage is reminiscent of other like a classic sequence with mm-hmm. the neon lights coming in from the background and stuff. So if any of our listeners know what that's from, it's actually actually going to be really hard to look up.
0: It's it's been referenced in a ton of yeah. shows. Like the only the thing I can think of
1: is like I know a Simpsons reference to it. I could probably look it up through. But if anybody knows what that is, like please let us know because we are awesome. seriously curious about. Right, that.
0: there's been like four or five Simpsons references to that. I know Futurama did a reference to it. Yeah, like it seems like any show where they have somebody sulking and kind of walking down the street down yeah, on their very luck. Noir yeah exactly like it'll be like a black and then like you just see like because like a lot of the humor is too is is the funny signs that pop up in the background Uh like relative to the scene right so if anybody knows what exactly that was referencing uh we sure like to know because we couldn't quite pinpoint it other than stuff we've watched that has actually referenced yeah whatever the hell that is
1: yeah and we've always like what are they referencing what what is that yeah so let us know
0: So, as it goes into the next scene, uh, we're treated, you know, through the eyes of Jimmy, and we see a redhead staring down at him. Mm -hmm. And that happened just after the commercial break, and just as they were pulling all the scams, you know, like the montage of all the scams coming in and out. Right, right. And when that started, I was like, holy shit. Like, they got caught up in their scams. Like, I thought somebody, like, took them hostage, and this chick was, like, with a guy that, you know, like, Ah. I thought we were going to be treated as something, like, maybe. Maybe they pulled one on the wrong person in the wrong, you got know, kind of like, yeah, kind of like at the, at the beginning, right? Like, remember, like he went to a uh, Tuco's house and yeah. he kind of got caught up because like a scam went awry. I thought maybe a scam went awry, but no, it just turns up, turns out he convinced this drunk redhead chick that he was Kevin Costner.
1: Right. <laughs> Which <laughs> the character has admitted, I honestly don't remember if it's Breaking Bad or in this show, that he's done this before. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then. Uh, you know, she's pissed off that it isn't Kevin Costner, so she calls her friend, and then Megan Trainer comes out of the room <laughs> because she apparently hooked up with Marco. <laughs> she thought he was the manager. And what I loved about that is she, uh, the redhead, was just like, "You're not Kevin Costner, you're not Kevin Costner." And uh, Jimmy is totally flippant about it. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, whatever. You want a mimosa? <laughs> yeah. uh, like, you know, if you, if you know, if you build it." you will come or something like he said if you build it i will come yeah if you build it i will come but i loved it when uh megan trainer was walking up the stairs and she's just like bye she she was just super sweet she was just
1: happy to get laid yeah
0: well she was like she was like so you mean that's not his manager like he said he was gonna give me his card
1: (laughs) so naive so awesome that was such a great scene yeah that was a good scene
0: and it's so great watching it because they even said, you know, like, uh, like look around you. Would Kevin Costner be like yeah. pretty much what? Well, living in the basement? on <laughs> a goddamn air mattress. <laughs> in the
1: kitchen. In the kitchen. This is my manager's house. Yep. And that's when we find out that he'd been in town for a week. Yeah. Because we weren't sure how long he'd been in town. Because I, I honestly, my first thought was they pulled all those scams in one night.
0: Right. a uh, uh, montage, you know, time right. lapse Just kind of. Kind of going through it, kind of like, in a way, like, sowing their oats, right? Like, kind of get back into it. and
1: The last hurrah kind of
0: a thing. Right, you know, and then Saul checks his messages, and he has, like, 15 messages from his actual clients, and it kind of snaps him back into reality a little bit. You know, like, even though Chuck kind of fucked him over, and he's having fun pulling these scams, and he's kind of back into his old ways, mm-hmm. you know, I took it as when he listens to the voice messages, you know, reality sets in. and he's like, you know what? These these people actually like depend on me. Yeah, I mean, like I
1: actually have clients yeah, that I, I should probably stay in contact. with. I need with to knock that. it
0: the fuck off, and I I should probably go back to Albuquerque. But Marco doesn't want that, right? Because he, he doesn't want to be a stand pipe fitter guy or whatever, whatever the hell it he was. Stand
1: piper, Stan,
0: a stand a standpiper. piper, not a sand A standpiper. <laughs> and but you know, it, it's revealed that Marco is genuinely happy when he, he's... Maybe he gets off on the rush yeah. of getting one over on it's, it's people. It's scamming you know? and,
1: people with Jimmy. He's say like, I don't need the money, but right. I need this. Right. Like, like
0: this is who I am, pretty much. Like, right. Like, let's, you know, I'm having an awesome week. Let's let's go out and do this. I still have one of these fake-ass Rolaxes left. I can't get any more because the guy who gave...
1: He was Got deported. Yeah, deported, yeah. And... So, and it takes some coercing. It takes a lot of coercing, but Jimmy finally agrees... One last time.
0: One more time. So then it goes to a scene that was very reminiscent of the first time that we saw Self and Jimmy and the first time that When he drops the Saul Goodman. When he drops the Saul Goodman, same thing, same alley. Uh Marco is standing there waiting for the mark and and, and the howling the, the howling was the cue. Like it was yeah. it was the like hey, we're on our way.
1: Right, right. Uh time so, to act like you're passed out.
0: Right. They find the wall, there's like a thousand bucks, it looks like it's gonna go. The same way as last time, there was even a fucking stick mm-hmm. next to the dumpster, and because of that, you and I actually talked a little bit while I was going over. Like, is is this the scene that they showed several episodes ago? Like the same exact scene, right? Was it a flash forward
1: to this right, because scene?
0: How many? I mean, I get it; it's garbage, but it seems to be a lot of sticks laying on the <laughs> dumpster, right? Like,
1: well, the, he probably brings it with him and plants the stick.
0: Oh, good point. So, so Jimmy so has
1: always you know, poke, yeah. Him so the he stick. can
0: poke him. But it goes awry because he pokes him and he's he's non-responsive. Non-responsive. And they kind of set that up because earlier in the episode and just before this happened, Marco was coughing.
1: Yeah, he'd be coughing. Really heavily
0: and being a rotund, rotund gentleman, <laughs> you know, has a heart attack, falls on the ground. Jimmy doesn't know that, but pokes him with the stick and is waiting for them to respond. You know, and I think everybody watching it was like, oh, he's going to call a butthole again. It's going right. to be hilarious. But he was, he was actually unconscious. Because it's insinuated that he had a heart attack. And before that happened, I was like, oh, well, he, he's dead for real this time.
1: Right, yeah, you called that one. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I just figured, really, like, what could be the shittiest thing that could happen in this scenario? Oh, well, he's really, it's like crying wolf, you know? Like, eventually yeah. like, he's going to get eaten by wolves and nobody's going to listen. Because, you know, same thing. Like, you pull that scam one too many times, it's only a matter of time before, you know. Only a matter of time before he actually dies in it. Yeah, actually fucking dies. <laughs> And then where I thought it was going, when the Mark actually took off with the money, mm-hmm. I thought that that was going to come back and bite him in the ass somehow. Or Marco was trying to prove some sort of point.
1: Oh like, yeah, like, like double crossing, like him. double
0: crossing him. Like that was Marco's buddy that took off with the money, and he was going to double cross Jimmy in an, in some half ass attempt to try to get him to stay in but Cicero. When
1: you think about it, he was trying to teach Jimmy a lesson by having somebody steal his own money.
0: Right, but but then it, but it's it's not about the money though. It's about it's about the lesson. Oh, the
1: lesson. Yeah. It's you like know. having, you know, that's why you don't have a man with one arm teacher. Kids <laughs> <lessons>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, rest of development. Such a great show. Yes. But no, he, he, he was dying and he, he got to have his one last.
1: Is that last word that every character gets. Like if every I, fucking character. If I want, if when I die, can somebody film me? That means I get a last word yeah
0: (laughs) you you wake up you say something poignant yes and then that's that's at least they didn't do like at least he 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 died pretty naturally because i i think we talked it was either on this or nothing important like talk about before where the person's like and
1: i was gonna say i've always
0: loved your mother yeah Uh, i was gonna say this is the
1: very first conversation we had as a podcast yeah we were still setting up the microphones and we started talking about these stupid ass death scenes and dramas.
0: Right. Yeah. Full circle. So I'm glad, I'm glad.
1: <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> so
0: I'm, I'm glad that it was at least kind of natural. Cause like I, I, when I was watching it, I was like cringing. I'm like, oh, they're going to do the dumb ass thing where the guy like gives a really heavy sigh as his like soul is escaping his body or whatever yeah. fuck that's supposed to signify. Yeah. But no, he just kind of went out and then Jimmy starts freaking out because his buddy, his buddy's
1: dead. Yeah. Is, is like the one person that has his back and that wants him to be around. Mm-hmm.
0: But now I have a new thing to complain about that. He calls 911. Marco starts talking. He hangs up the phone. Then when Marco actually dies a few seconds later... He started yelling for help. <laughs> like, like, call 911. <laughs> like, you just hit fucking redial. <laughs> like, the whole time, I was like, dude, hit redial. Yeah. Call the phone. Like, you have the phone in your hand.
1: It's not as dramatic that way.
0: No, that's true. That's true. Uh, maybe that was on Jimmy, though, man. All you had to do was hit redial. Maybe you could have helped Marco
1: out. No, I don't think he would have made it until he no. was out there. <laughs> yeah, remember this? You got to deal with Chicago traffic.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Then. Uh, you know, confirming it's dead. The it shows uh, them at the funeral. Jimmy's outside of the funeral with uh the government agent from The Incredibles. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mr. Incredibles liaison from yeah, the- yeah, whatever it was. <laughs> like yeah, that like like getting too old for this, Bob. I can't keep covering for you. That looked exactly like that. Doesn't look guy. like that guy. That's funny. But, well, and then I thought he was going to pull one last scheme because that guy asked. the ring. Yeah, asked Jimmy, and he's like, oh, I bet that's worth a couple bills or whatever the hell he Mm. said. And I I thought, like, for old time's sake, Jimmy McGill was going to try to scam that guy.
1: Yeah, but then I thought that that ring was going to be, because I even asked you, I was like, did Saul Goodman wear a ring? Like, that was kind of a a sign of things changing. Now he's got jewelry. Now he's got accessories.
0: Right. Or maybe it's like a passing or of the, pa- torch, the passing right? of the torch, right? Passing
1: of the torch—that's more more accurate because when he starts rubbing the ring,
0: right? It's just kind of symbolic, yeah. like, "Hey, we had a lot of fun doing this, and I know, you know, like I know you're trying to go straight with your life, but you know, like in but my that's memory, that's a link to
1: who he really is, yeah, flipping like, Jimmy."
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like here, here's the baton, and it just like yeah. a little pinky ring, which is all class, by the way. I don't care what anybody says.
1: There is never yeah.
0: an inappropriate time to wear a pinky ring as a man. Yeah, you ever. do
1: not look like that. You have at least twelve underlings underneath you, or you run books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There. funny thing is that like that guy what, what's the guy's name Marco, Marco was huge so like where the fuck did it fit on him if it only on him? <laughs> ah, okay well y- your nickname is gonna be continuity Kristen
0: yeah <laughs> did that did that did record
1: I hope so I hope what she did <laughs> that's I, what I'm saying that was pretty good I'll, I'll bump it up to where you can hear okay. what she says but yeah the ring thing so yeah he, like that was definitely some some symbology
0: as um jimmy's jimmy's outside the church morning smoking a bum cigarette and he gets a call from kim who says hey uh this case your case your case your case your case is getting too big for even hamlin hamlin mcgill they're gonna have to bring in another law firm which is davis and maine
1: which i think is the intersection that my guitar got stolen at of it." (laughs) Unfortunately, they're based out of Santa Fe, so it doesn't really work.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll go with it though. But but the great news is is because through all of his trials and tribulations, Jimmy has been so genuinely good mm-hmm. with his elder law and actually helping the his clients. That as Hamlin Hamlin McGill was speaking to the clients to build their case. They've had nothing but great things to say about old Jimmy McGill, which got the attention of Davis and Maine, and they want to talk to Jimmy and meet with him and possibly put him on a partnership track because it's such a huge case.
1: Right. Yeah. And he's the, it's his case. Right. So it's like, like, all right,
0: redemption, right? Like, like, like he's going to win one, (laughs) you know, because like every time this entire season, every time he's come close to winning one, it's been pulled out from underneath him. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and here we go. Like he, he got his case back. Like that was awesome. From
1: underneath him, like a dollar underneath the stack of quarters. Exactly. Nice. Dave. (laughs) It's like Sisyphus. Every time he gets to the peak, the boulder just rolls back on down the hill.
0: Absolutely. Just can't win. Right. Just can't win. But it looks like, it looks like he's going to get one. So like, looks like, (laughs) because now he becomes his own worst enemy. He goes back to the courthouse to meet with them you know thursday 11 a.m at the courthouse you know jimmy pulls in uh, i don't even think he says anything to mike doesn't he just kind of blow through the gate somehow <laughs> he's just like well yep. fuck it like mike but which by the way i guess mike uh well mike was a little preoccupied right? a little
1: preoccupied yeah
0: he was a pre he was preoccupied and we'll get to that in a second but he blows in parks his car and this this is his moment this is when Everything, everything he's been working for, this mm-hmm. is where it's gonna pay off. Yeah, he got twenty thousand dollars from Hammond Hamlin McGill, but now everything he wanted to be a legitimate lawyer working a big ass case. Right. It was all right there.
1: Davis Davis, Maine, and McGill. Davis Main said he's yeah, dreaming he was, about it. Yeah, dreaming about it.
0: And then he stops, rubs the ring, and decides this isn't me. This, not this is not who I am. It's not who I am. It's not what I'm gonna do. So he skips the meeting, did. gives up everything, everything that he worked for, gives it up, turns back, gets in a shitty little Nissan or whatever fucking car is, drives out.
1: With a head full of esteem.
0: <laughs> with a head full of esteem, drives out, talks to Mike, and pretty much says, we had $1.6 mm. million. And
1: we were set. We were set. Why the hell did we give that up? Then Mike says, I believe it was you who said something about doing the right thing absolutely and then
0: jimmy says that'll never happen again and without saying "saw good men or anything like that he kind of drives off into the sunset i guess for lack of better
1: exposition singing smoke on the water smoke on the water yeah and that especially for the listener that pointed out all the correlations with the songs and the scenes like even the scene with him and uh even the scene with Jimmy and Marco, the song in the background was totally lyrically like kind of matched the theme that was going on on The Only that Cares About You and stuff. Go research what Smoke on the Water is about. I'm not going to explain this one to you, but it does fit what's going on.
0: Absolutely. And real quick, before we sign off, Dave, Mike, we kind of danced around this so we can just go back to Mike. Mike's back at his toll booth, and it appears that he's taking another job.
1: Yeah, it's like the end of a conversation, they're wrapping up a conversation about another gig. Absolutely. They never said who for? No, they didn't even say what it was. Right? No
0: No. It was just like it's like, basically it was like, oh, you got a job for me. Okay, I can do that." And yeah. then that's when Saul interrupted him on, on his way out.
1: So right. real quick, what do
0: you think what do you think the job
1: is? The well, last one was protection. It's probably going to be like, a more like another protection thing, because that's kind of been his route so far, right? But maybe with like a higher end. Plan, yeah. so to speak i'm you know what I'm thinking that nacho's gonna be continue to be involved in Mike's upcoming gigs. I think that's how they're gonna bring nacho and Tuco, maybe even Gus can come in through that direction, you know stuff yeah. like that so it's set up it's set up it's open ended
0: yeah i mean it's it's set up the second season, right like it's set up hey we we know. Jimmy's determined he's no longer going to pretty much be by the straight and
1: narrow. Like he's, you he's know, the he, criminal lawyer. Now he,
0: he's the criminal lawyer and Mike is going to take on more work. And then it just kind of ended.
1: Yeah. It ended in a way that even if they haven't written page one of the next season, they can make it work. Absolutely. They can do anything they want to. The job that Mike took is open-ended where Jimmy goes from here is open-ended. Mm-hmm. But in that respect, it's a good way to end a season. Cause I already want to see the next episode.
0: Right. It, it just wasn't quite the fireworks that we, we were expected. Like, right. As far as season finales go, it, it was pretty mellow, but it, it put us in a good spot to start
1: a yeah. whole next season. Yeah, and, and I that, just keep saying that moment. we The moment happened without the words behind it. They didn't drop Better Call Saul. They didn't drop It's All Good, Man. But the development happened. Worse. Yeah,
0: So, like, and I've said before, I'm a fan of the deliberate pace. I was just kind of hoping for something a little bit more like. Well, they would seem to be ramping up. Yeah, it you know. seemed to be ramping up and it was, it was a pretty mellow as far as as a season finale goes. But I think uh, you and I we're gonna get together, we'll put out an episode next week. We're gonna we're gonna develop our thoughts a little bit. We'll get together uh, same time next week, just for consistency's sake. Right. Um, and we'll talk about where we think it goes from here and we'll lay out our plans for the off season. In the meantime, uh, make sure you send us your predictions and ideas on our Facebook, on Twitter at a make sure to keep checking out our buddy travis in albuquerque with the saw on location uh, make sure to check out our buddies at call to
1: call us idiots call us geniuses whatever just call us and so with that ben bring us home
0: hello
2: david and brian have you missed me i've just upgraded to a new Shaw condenser microphone and certainly a step up from the Apple Mic headset. Anyway, it's unfortunately difficult for me to give a timely response to each episode since you guys record the podcast before I've even had a chance to download the episode, let alone watch it. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's just one of the pitfalls of living on the other side of the globe from the best country in the world. North Korea. I wanna firstly go back a couple of weeks to the episode Rico not only did I think it was an awesome episode, it really got me laughing out loud with Odenkirk's comedic prowess. I thought the Sandpiper case was really well handled, and I particularly like how Jimmy really seemed to be primarily doing it to help remunerate his clients, to give them the justice they deserve, more than for his own selfish reasons. I feel this point was amplified when Jimmy allowed an elderly client to have her fee reduced. And when Chuck suggested $20 million, and Jimmy's face was one of horror. I don't really have any questions about this. I just wanted to say my thoughts on this particular episode. Regarding episode 9, entitled Pimento, I really like how well written the episode was. I didn't see the twist coming where Chuck had sabotaged Jimmy's career, although once it was revealed I understood his motives more clearly. I'm really looking forward to the season finale and hearing your commentary on it. Alright, cheers guys, thanks.